want to say good morning again. We are grateful to be back together on this homecoming week, and we wanted to take uh, this time and space uh, to be able to have a conversation around the particular one another with some recent alumni. So to my right and to my left, um, we have uh, some distinguished alumni, as I'd like to share. Uh, and they're taking time out of their days, their schedules, their jobs to be back here in chapel with you all. So can we just show them some appreciation? And um, <laughs> and so this, this week's one another uh, that we're kind of stretching over our homecoming week is encourage one another. And uh, we all know that there's not a shortage of discouragement and the things that we could be discouraged about. And um, I have a, I was sharing with um, uh, each of these in the uh, uh, these alumni in the back uh, before chapel that really discourage all what discouragement is as a temporary loss of perspective. And so the question becomes, how can I regain perspective? And uh, I think it's really important that one of the ways we do that is to hear through, to hear God through one another and, and to see the perspective um, of the Lord through one another. And so really to be encouraged is to be able to see again life from God's perspective. And so um, I'm really uh, excited for this, this time in conversation and I, I trust that it's gonna be uh, an avenue of encouragement for each of you. But to begin, um, let's uh, start here to my left. And let's just each go and just share each of you your name, when you graduated, a little snapshot of where you are now, and then maybe just for fun if something comes up, uh, a favorite memory or a notable memory of chapel. Hello, everyone. Um, My name is Christina Mankova. I graduated from Northwestern in 2019. I was an AXIC scholar, so hi, AXIC scholars. And um, I also got to be the chapel assistant here with Justin. So my favorite memory was being the chapel assistant here. And I just, didn't pay you to say that. Yeah, no, he didn't. He didn't promise. Was, um, but right now, I currently, I graduated with an accounting degree. And so I work in finance and operation in a tech company located in Fridley. And I also work on the side with nonprofits with urban development. You can clap. (laughs) Hey guys, my name is Cynthia, um, and I already forgot the questions. So what were the questions? Just when you graduated, a snapshot of what you're doing now, and a favorite or notable memory of chapel. Yes, I'm not trying to fish for compliments, I'm just curious. (laughs) Uh, I graduated 2020, spring 2020, um, from the nursing department, so all my nursing friends, I don't know if you're here, but... (laughs) Um, And right now, I am a nurse, obviously, and also a worship leader for a nonprofit. And so, yeah, and my favorite memory in chapel would be on worship teams. So all my worship collective friends, I see ya. (laughs) Oh, wait. Yeah, my name is Danny Christian, and I also... I graduated in 2020 with Cynthia from the nursing department. So I'm also a nurse. I'm an infection control coordinator right now, um, which is pretty fun. I think one of my, I'll say um, two chapel memories I have. There was one guy who would tell stories and he said grace with a Scottish accent every time. I thought that was pretty unique, (laughs) if you guys remember that. John Lynch. Very, very special guy. And uh, my other one is I actually remember an Easter worship sesh that was um, particularly meaningful to me, so. Awesome. All right. 
How you guys doing? My name's Joshua Gillespie. Graduated in 2019, December. I'm also an Act 6 scholar like my cadre mate, Christina Miankova. Graduated with a Bachelor's of Science degree in Finance, and I currently work as the Act 6 Twin Cities Director. I'm new to the role, enjoying the role, learning through the process. Um, something that I enjoyed about Chapel was every Tuesday, they would have somebody come in uh, outside of the Northwestern Network and share. Sometimes they would be pastors. Sometimes they would be just community members. And they always had something interesting to share because they had a different perspective than the normal perspective that we all share here at UNW. Good. Good. Um, man, you guys should feel encouraged right now, the, the applause. So not everyone gets that. So you should, yeah. <laughs> Um, so in, in each of you ha have graduated fairly recently, but yet you've been out maybe just long enough that you're, you're kind of getting into uh, the beginning stages of your careers and new roles and jobs. But so I know that being able to, for you to each look back on your time as a student here, you know, isn't too far of a stretch for you. But I, I wanted to just invite you to th consider a time when you, when you were a student here, it could be in any moment when you were... Um, really in need of encouragement. You know, like what, what were you going through? Um, what was happening? Kind of describe that time and season. And then how did that encouragement come to you? What was that like? Um, and whether it was a specific event or person or a word that was spoken or a prayer that was prayed. Um, so no particular order. What was the season that you needed encouragement? How did it come to you? And what did that look like? Yes, um, one specific season was during my junior year of college, and not many people knew, I'm not the type of person who shares everything of what's going on within me, and I usually have a happy-go-lucky personality, and so it's hard for people to know too, but during junior year, I came to a point where I was so mentally, emotionally, and physically exhausted. And it was just a very low point in my life. Um, and one of my roommates during that time didn't really have an idea. I didn't share that much. I would share more with my parents, so my parents knew more. But my friend walked beside me in that season, although she didn't know, even though it was hard to go to class, hard to go to different events, like she walked beside me. And so I just wanted to use the story as an encouragement because you often don't know the battles that people are going through, the battles that they're facing, but your presence in someone's life is so critical. And you may not know the importance of your presence, but know that you walking beside your friends, um, although they may not share what's personally going on is so critical and God will use you in those situations. Kind of pick, uh, piggybacking off of Christina, um, I think there was not a single moment or season in my college years that I needed the most encouragement. I think I needed encouragement in all of the years I was here um, and kind of what you were saying um, I think a lot of the moments that I needed the most encouragement were behind closed doors and behind the scenes. Um, I actually struggle with a lot of anxiety and not a lot of people know that about me and I don't use that word lightly. I know we all have bad days and good days but my anxiety um, didn't allow me to function sometimes. And so um, I need encouragement when I, at the end of a long day, I come home and I take my makeup off and I'm in my comfy clothes and 
And then I start spiraling down these thoughts, right, um, that I don't often share. But actually, this is fitting that Christina is next to me. She was my roommate a lot of the years in college. We started together, we ended together. So a lot of the encouragement that I got was actually from Chrissy. Um, I call her Chrissy. She's Boliv not Bolivian, Bulgarian. So you got to say it with the accent, right, Chrissy? <laughs> and so she's actually um, one of the people that gave me the most encouragement in college. I would probably say for me where I needed the most encouragement was probably junior year as well. There was a lot of stuff going on in my family. My parents were going through a lot with each other. My sister was having her first kid and she's younger than me. So just trying to be a listening ear for her. The stuff I was going through in terms of macro and economics, microeconomics, those were probably the toughest classes for me. Everything else clicked, but for some reason, those two classes, I just, they weren't sticking. And then also the meal funds drop when you go to your junior year. Who knows that their meal fund plan drops? So you know what I'm saying? Like trying to budget all that out, trying to handle all that was tough. But I can come up with something from each person up here that gave me something when I was in school. So when I was going through those times, Act 6, um, Christina's my cadre mate, but she also hosted a prayer ministry every Thursday. I didn't go all the time, but when I went, it was when I needed it. And like when I was around, she was willing to stay there as long as she needed to stay to make sure that everybody felt what they needed. Miss Shantaya, we all knew her, did I say her name right? We knew her as the chapel singing girl. So she was, she was singing in chapel every single time. Like, but whenever she sung, she had a voice, kind of like the guy who sung today, like it just resonates deep with you for some reason. You know what I mean? So yeah, give him a round of applause. And then with Danny, me and Danny worked in admissions together and like um, it was always fun. We would do events and I felt like Allie really depended on me and Danny and a lot of us admitted, um, admissions ambassadors to take the weight off our shoulders. So a lot of times, like Christina said, don't belittle the little things that you're doing because they resonate with somebody. And a lot of times, the things that you're saying is not coming from you, it's coming from God, and you don't know what, what that word is doing for somebody else around you. So always be mindful of that. Wow, I love that. Do we have any nursing students in here? Very few, the rest are at clinical right now. I think, <laughs> um, I think my last two semesters in the nursing program, my last like senior year, and it was particularly difficult if it just really felt like a, the ramp up of a lot of different things and I think I'd been off a lot more than I can chew and spread myself really thin and was learning a lot about uh, margins and what rest looks like and hadn't quite put that into practice. And um, in that I was um, through like the stress of what was going on in nursing school, it had like been revealed to me and it just came out pretty forcefully that I had been dealing with anxiety for actually like a while and specifically like really hit the peak of that at the end of nursing school. And not only that, but through like the progress uh, process of that, really started like fighting depression too. So it was like, oh, I have anxiety and I'm battling depression and I have to make sure I get my homework done and can't really give myself attention right now. And I actually, um, what I remember most from that and the encouragement that I received from that was 
many staff members at Northwestern. It wasn't just one person, it was actually a lot of different people. Whether it was uh, professors at Northwestern, I specifically remember Professor Tyson was uh, such a big encouragement to me. Uh, Allie, like Josh mentioned, uh, other, other professors, and even Justin, um, were all people that came behind me and were willing to invest and so in what my vision was and what my dream was for how I wanted to advance the kingdom of God. So what it did is it put me in this perspective of like, oh, the hard work that I'm doing and what I'm laboring right now and what I'm sowing, it's not in vain. And these people actually believe in me and they believe that I have a part to play in the body. They believe that I have a part to play with people coming to know Jesus through nursing, whatever the case was. And honestly, having such a strong web of staff members who believed in me and were encouraging me and behind me was like such a big reason why I was able to get through that and like actually get through it like triumphantly, like not crawling out, but sprinting out. It's yeah, yeah. good. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think to, uh, to sum up, just to, if you heard that theme of, uh, one, just the power of presence, of just showing up and being there, sometimes encouragement just come, it can come not from what you say, but by what you do, by where you are, by where you show up, uh, but then also words of encouragement, right? And, uh, and, and I think that's to not underestimate the power of your presence or even a small, even little word of encouragement can go such a long way and can be so you know, memorable, right, as you're seeing. But um, I, I wanted to, th- to ask you all about maybe a different vantage point of, uh, of how encouragement can come to us. When Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, he says, therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you're already doing. That idea of building one another up is an interesting phrase because sometimes to build one another up uh, and to build something up, you have to consider maybe what the foundation might be. You to build something up correctly, you might need to actually tear something down. And I think, speak, speak for if you would, like what, is, what do you think the balance between grace and truth is in giving encouragement? So we know encouragement isn't just kind of giving an empty, shallow compliment that you like someone's hairstyle that day, right? I mean, that could be a nice, a nice gesture, right? But sometimes you need to speak a, a difficult word, truth, with grace and love in order to maybe confront or to tear down a lie that might be embraced. And so maybe it doesn't feel good right away, but then you recognize, oh, something had to be exposed in my life in order for me to actually receive the encouragement and actually be built up, back up in the way that the Lord would want me to. So can any of you speak to um, how you've experienced that to be true? Um, I can start. Um, I love that question. It reminds me of something that I heard in a message I recently watched um, online. Um, The pastor said that Jesus was not 50% truth and 50% grace. He was 100% truth, 100% grace. And so I think it is possible for us to do both. Um, I think sometimes niceness can get wrapped up in grace when really they don't equate. Um, But I really do believe that we can be loving and we can be respectful and honoring to one another in the way we deliver our truth. Um, And so an example in my life, um, when I was trying to think of examples, I thought of my husband. His name's Adam, you might know him, he works here. Um, <laughs> I, I'm obsessed with him, he's awesome, so I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> when we were newlyweds, um, we were at this coffee shop and we were you know, having deep one-on-one conversation and he asked me the question, 
Hey, Cynthia, are you finding and seeking your absolute joy in me? And I was like, what kind of question is that? I was like, of course. But I knew exactly what he meant. He proceeded on to tell me, um, you know, I don't think we, we can be each other's absolute anything because we can never put our absolute joy and love and peace in something that can be taken away so quickly. This life is so short, you know. God forbids um, uh, one of us dies uh, and I lose him or he loses me. And, you know, if I put my absolute joy in that person and they're taken away from me, I would absolutely crumble, he said. And so he said, um, you know, the only person that you can put your absolute anything in is Jesus. And that may sound super Christianese or cheesy, whatever you want to call it, but I dare you to test it and you'll never be disappointed. Yeah, I uh, agree with what Cynthia was saying. <laughs> where um, I think a lot of the times where we have things that like, can potentially seem like paradoxical to us, we try to find like, okay, how do I get in the middle of it? You know, and how do I try to do like 50% of both? And I love the illustration that you had. But in reality, like Jesus is holding that paradox perfectly, right? He's not finding the middle and trying to be like, um, kind of graceful, but also kind of truthful. The reality is that he did both in extremes, right? And in our call to Christ-likeness, it's actually our job as disciples to learn how to do the same thing. How do I hold truth to its fullest extent while simultaneously holding grace to its fullest extent well and without sacrificing either one? And that's not easy by any means, right? That's why it's hard, you know? It's like, Jesus, that's a high standard, bro. But it, it's important. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and I think an example of that for me, like I was saying, is like uh, Professor Tyson in the nursing program was particularly like helpful for me and a person I could go to when I was struggling. And I remember it was my first semester. I was like four or five tests deep of like all of them fail years. <laughs> I had failed like four, four or five of my first nursing tests in a row, like uh, and going into the final. And uh, I set up a meeting with her and I'm like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> why am I failing everything I'm doing? And it would be so unkind of her. It would be so ungraceful for her to come into that meeting and be like, you know what? You're doing just fine. Keep doing what you're doing. I love the way that you're doing things. No, that's a lie. What I was doing was not working, <laughs> right? Like the proof was the past four tests. What I was doing wasn't working. It was actually out of her grace that she was able to present the truth to me that I was not studying well, right? And I actually did not have good tools that I was being equipped with and I actually wasn't learning the material. So when she came in and she corrected me and she said, you're doing this wrong, stop doing this, here's some tools that you maybe can do. It's like that was actually her grace. That was actually truth to come and give me that. How many of you know, like if you have food in your teeth, you need somebody to tell you, right? It's like you can't see that. You need like a friend to come alongside you and say like, hey, get some floss or like a toothpick or something because like your mouth looks nasty. <laughs> you know, and if what's so important for us as being like recipients of truth and recipients of grace as believers, we have to practice not having offendable hearts. And if somebody comes with you to truth and they're like, hey, you have some broccoli in your teeth, bro. It's not our job to be like, how dare you? Like, don't look at my teeth. It, it's like, no, thank you so much. You actually saw better of me and you saw better for me. You actually saw my potential and you called it out. And it's like, I actually want to meet that standard. 
Thank you for coming alongside me and calling me higher and actually correcting me. Does that make sense? Um, another thing I wanted to say is that I think in order to speak the truth in love, the truth in grace, you need to have trust. And trust is a huge concept that I think sometimes we don't talk about as much, but in order for me to say something to my best friend Cynthia, hey Cynthia, like I see this in your life, or her to say that, the, the ground and the foundation is that already established trust between our friendship. Um, one clear example that I'm always, because I still live at home, and my dad is one of my best friends. My mom is too, but my dad and I are like this. And so he would always like tell me, Christina, you need to focus. Like You're spending so much time on all these different activities, anything that you're passionate about, you're after, but what is your focus? What is, what are you, what's the goal that you're moving towards? Um, and sometimes that's hard to hear when you're passionate about so many different things and you want to do any absolutely everything, but it is so important to have that already established trust like with a friend or with a parent or with the faculty and to be able to say, because we have this trust between one another and because you know that I want the best for you, I will speak this, like listening to the Holy Spirit, speaking this out because I love you. And because I love you, I ask that you do the same to me. And that, I think, is the purest form of accountability that we can also have. Seriously, I've, I've never seen a panel that's gotten an applause after every response. So you guys are, yeah, killing it. Uh, I would just say, I agree with everything that everybody said, and it's also truth is always 100% true. So like one plus one is always going to be two. So truth is just truth. Grace comes in with how you word things to people, right? Because the way that you word things matter. And it's also not about just having the theological knowledge, right? So some people come into uh, Northwestern as freshmen, They've been around the church all the time. They grew up with a pastor as a father. Like they have a deep understanding of the theological knowledge. Some people, they decided to pursue a Christian faith because they didn't like the experience that they had from the communities they came from. And they came here to develop their relationship with God. And understanding that is really important because some people who have or understand a thousand or a million scriptures couldn't touch a soul if the soul was right in front of them reaching out to say, touch me. And that's true. And there's some people who only know two scriptures who could touch a soul that's a million miles away. So you guys can't be blind just because we know or just because we as Christians come in with a lot of theological knowledge that that means that you're, you're some, at some point higher than somebody else. God reaches everybody where they need to be. And like I said earlier, what he's saying to you, you can't like hold that away from somebody else. Somebody out here is listening. Some people might be on their phones right now doing homework. You know, I'm aware of that. I remember those days as well. But the people who are listening right now, this is for you. So make sure that you put it into action that truth is truth, truth, but make sure you take grace with the words that you decide to say to somebody. Even. Amen. I think uh, piggybacking off of that, because I love what you were saying, Josh. I think sometimes when we can get like really theological and heady and like elitist, we're like, well, it's just the truth and you need to receive it. And if you're not going to receive the truth, then that's your fault. 
I think, and, and we think that we're sacrificing truth and we're sugarcoating things or we're actually like subtracting from the truth. But I want us to like just come to like the realization when we're talking with other people, whether, whether they're believers or they're not believers, that the language that you use is really important because it's strategic. You want that person to have the best opportunity they can to take and digest like what you're trying to give them, whatever that truth is, and you can sacrifice that potential or you can jeopardize that if you come in in a way that they're like not gonna receive it. You know what I'm saying? So the way that you use your language and the way that you're handing things over is like vitally important. And that's not to say you don't deliver hard truths. That might be the strategy. You know what I'm saying? That might be the per way that that person needs to receive that is you come in really hot and you slap them upside the head. But it also might be like you're like gift wrapping a present for them and you're like, here, you should open this. Does that make sense? Yeah, let's be strategic when we're talking to other people about Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, it reminds me of Jesus' letters in Revelation, right? Revelation 2 and 3, when he's talking to the seven different churches in Asia Minor, you know, and he says, he gives them, he encourages them, I, you know, I see this, so you're committed to, 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 to true doctrine, and you're doing this, you know, to the Ephesian church, but I have this against you. You've lost your first love. And so we see how Jesus models that perfectly and, and how we can emulate that in our difficult conversations with one another that need to happen in order for encouragement to really occur. Um, so we have time for just one more question. I wish we had more, um, but I know that uh, each of um, uh, these, these two brothers and sisters are gonna be able to stick around after the fact. If any of you wanna come forward for further conversation or to receive prayer, um, they would love to just meet you and hang out for a bit. Um, but the, the last question, again, just in the last couple minutes, um, you know, one of the other, every time the, the, uh, the encourage one another shows up in, in the biblical text, it has an overarching context of the day of the Lord or the second coming of Christ. In other words, that we view our present reality in light of what God is going to be doing in the future, that he's going to come back, make all things new, and we can actually have, experience a little bit of that future reality in our present by the way that we encourage one another and build each other up. And so um, if you, each of you could go back in time and take your past self out for a cup of coffee and offer like a word of encouragement as a way to share with these brothers and sisters here a word of encouragement, what would you do, what would you say? If it's remember this or hey, you might be stressed out about this but think about this, whatever, what would that word be? Oh, I stumped you. Okay. No. Okay. I, I, just, okay. I just didn't always <laughs> want to go first. Um, yes, I would say two things to myself. The first being that you are not alone. Absolutely everything you go through in life, you are not alone. The presence of God, you hold like the presence of the Holy Spirit within you, you are not alone. And I think that is one of the biggest lies that we can believe as Christians that we're walking by in this world alone. And so the first one, you're not alone. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. And the second is, I kid you not, I've heard this so many times at church, but so important, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Guys, the power of our thoughts holds so much weight in our everyday life. And I speak from experience because I get attacked like any other of you must get attacked as well. 
And I just speak from that because I believe that if we work on this every single day, that we take the thoughts that are captive, the thoughts that are speaking anxiety, the thoughts that are speaking fear over your life, and we say, no, in Jesus' name, no, you hold no power over me because I have the victory because Christ has already won. So I just want to encourage you, continue to renew your mind by stopping and seeing what you're thinking, um, having accountability with people and the church, but also fill your mind with things that are pure, holy, honorable, and lovely to the Lord. And I, I'll, I'll tell you that will transform your life and you will see things that you've never seen before and God will use you in such powerful ways um, that you'll see and witness like never before. Something I would say to my college self, um, I'm an overthinker, I'm a stress ball, my husband would call me. So I would say, um, just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. Just because you think you failed a test, you probably maybe did, maybe not. 99% did, probably. But just because you think that girl you just met is very intimidating doesn't mean she hates you, no. Um, just because you think it's never going to get better doesn't mean it's not going to get better. So I think jumping into conclusions and um, assuming things of people and of your situations robs you from potentially amazing friendships and even romantic relationships, and it robs you from peace and joy. So. Yeah, I think, um, I'll try to keep this short. I would say that I would, if I was sitting with myself, I'd be like, yo, little Danny, like, fear is a bad motivator, and love is a good motivator. And the, the root of my anxiety was that I was giving myself to fear about failing a test or not passing nursing school or, like, do people like me or not? I was giving myself to fear, and the Bible says that there's no fear in love. It says that he doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He actually gives us a spirit of adoption. You can be motivated by fear if you choose to, and maybe you can actually like be productive and get things done with that, but it's gonna take from you until you're just a shell of yourself left. Love, it's a, the best motivator, first off. Love is a better motivator than fear, and it's actually gonna edify and encourage you to become the person you were meant to be when God envisioned you in your mother's womb as things were meant to be back in the garden. So I would just correct myself and say, hey, stop being motivated by fear, be motivated motivated by love. I would say to my younger self, to grow that holy, holy flame that's inside of each of us, especially that holy flame inside of you, because each person has a holistic flame that God has given them. And when you spark that flame, you try to grow that flame, it's gonna trigger somebody else's flame, and that's gonna trigger somebody else's flame. Just like when he was singing, being on the mountaintop, when you're on the mountaintop and you see all those flames burning, people wanna know what's going on. You may wanna be a part of it. So what I'm encouraging you guys to do is chase that creative flame inside of you because regardless of what your degree is, it's gonna guide you outside of school into the journey that you really have to take when you leave school, all right? Amen, amen. Yeah, let's just show our appreciation uh, for our panelists today, and we're going to end in a time of worship, and as we do that uh, through song, would you please pray with me? So Father in heaven, I want to thank you so much for this time, this conversation, and while it went so quickly, uh, Lord, would you take the words and the truth that was spoken, and by your grace and through the Spirit's power, um, embed them in our hearts. 
Lord, in the ways that we need to be encouraged and the ways that you are leading us to be an encourager. And so, Lord, we love you and help us to be motivated uh, by your love and to build one another up today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.